Friends, last week we read the story where Samuel was chosen to be a prophet and a priest for God. One of the first things that Samuel is asked to do is to anoint a new king for Israel, and God guides him to anointing Saul. Saul is the new king of Israel. Now, at that time, part of what the new king did was he led the Israelites into battle. There were all sorts of little wars that went on in the promised land as Israel tried to establish themselves there. And at one point, when Samuel is anointing Saul for his leadership, Samuel tells him, this is a word from God, that he, when he is on the battlefield, should wait for Samuel before he gives a burnt offering to God. So Samuel tells Saul, you will have a great battle, and then you will want to celebrate. You will want to have a burnt offering in worship, but you should wait until I get there. That is clear from the very beginning. And so they have this battle, and Saul waits seven days, and Samuel isn't there yet. And out of his anxiety, his worry, Saul decides to go ahead and give the burnt offering, thereby going directly against what God had said. And so God decides that no longer will Saul be the king. He will find a new king. And so he's going to send Samuel to find this new king, which is very dangerous because Saul is still king. And that's where our story begins today in 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, verses 1 through 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And Samuel sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, Samuel looked on Eliab and thought, Surely... The Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. 
Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel then said to Jesse, Are all of your sons here? And Jesse said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes. And so Jesse sent and brought him in. Now the boy was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we ask that you would send your spirit to this place and that all the words that are spoken would point only toward you and that the meditations of all of our hearts and minds would be acceptable in your sight for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is a call story, a story of God calling David into the role of king. And I, as a minister, I have my own call story. And from the time that I felt like God was calling me to ministry to when I actually did something about it was about six or seven years. I kept hoping it'd go away. Now, during that time, I worked in the church unordained. I was a youth director, and I loved it. But during that time of six or seven years, that calling to really be a preacher just wouldn't go away. And so finally, I decided to go to seminary. I applied. And my home church, God bless them, were so good about that. They affirmed my gifts for ministry. They were sad that I would be leaving as youth director, but they wholeheartedly supported me, so much so that someone in that congregation anonymously paid for my entire education. I still don't know who it was. So after I made this decision, the executive presbyter of Northeast Georgia called me and said, I heard you're going to seminary. Let me take you to lunch. And I thought it would be more of the same, more validation, more affirmation. But instead, this person who was in charge of ministering to all the churches in North Georgia took me to lunch and he sat me down and he said, I don't think you should go to seminary because you're a mother and you have responsibilities as a mother and it's going to be too hard for you. You shouldn't do it. Maybe later, maybe when your kids are grown. I just don't think this is something you should do. Now, little did he know that I had grown up with two brothers who told me you can't do X, Y, or Z every day of my life, and I specialized in proving them wrong. (laughs) And so for me, in my rebellious heart, when he said you shouldn't do it, I literally thought, game on. (laughs) I'm ready. I had never been more motivated to go to seminary. 
But what this shows you is that God calls one unusual people and that often we fail at recognizing who God has called. Let's face it, it's only been about 60 years since my gender has even been able to be ordained. And so oftentimes we fail at knowing exactly who God has called, and that's certainly the case in the story of God calling David. Now, Samuel, the prophet and priest, has called Saul. And Saul, we are told in the text, was tall and commanding. He was a great military leader. He was exactly who Samuel thought God should call. But the problem was that Saul was not obedient. When God told him what to do, what Saul did was the wrong thing. And here's what's interesting. I encourage you to go back and read just a couple of chapters before this because what Saul actually does by worshiping is actually a really smart thing to do in terms of leadership because it, it gathers together all the people in his army and gives them this common goal. But it doesn't matter. God said, do not do that. Wait for Samuel. And Saul disobeyed. So God will bring a new king. And so we have this story of him going and gathering the people to worship and Jesse's sons going before him. And the first one, Eliab, is much like Saul. He's the oldest. He is tall. He is strong. He is commanding. It does not say that he had a good smile like Brett interjected in the children's story. I'm also betting the text in the children's Bible doesn't say that David smelled like a sheep. Am I right? It did? Awesome. I thought that was another Brettism, which I appreciate deeply. But the point is, surely Eliab is going to be the one that is chosen. And God says, no, you are looking at outward appearance and I look at the heart. Now, it's important to think about that term, the heart, in Hebrew, lavav. What that means is not a feeling. It does not mean that someone has a deep affinity for God, that they love God. What that means when you say that someone has a heart for God is that every part of them is dedicated to God. It means their mind, it means their soul, and it means their will. Their will. Now we know that our will is the power that we have to act and make decisions in the world. And God is looking for someone who will use their soul and their mind, but also their will in order to do what God has called them to do. And all seven of Jesse's sons pass before him, and not one of them has the heart that God is looking for. And then there's the baby brother. The baby brother who is so inconsequential, he's not even invited to worship. The baby brother who is out tending to sheep. The baby brother who has no power. That's who God chooses. Why? Because he has a heart for God. Now, we know that David, as a leader, will make many mistakes. He commits adultery. He plots murder. He does all sorts of things out of his human sinfulness. 
But what David also does is he listens for God to speak into his life. And when God does that, David carries it out as he can. And when God rebukes David, do you know what David does? David says, you're right. And he asks for forgiveness. David does not get everything right. But David is willing to listen to where God is calling him and to use his will to carry that out. That's what it means to have a heart for God. You may love God and love God's word, but it took your will to get dressed and come here to worship as God has asked us to do. That is the right use of will. And God calls all of us. Now, I think there would have been a time in my life if someone had told me that God calls everyone, I would have thought, really? No, surely not. But we are told in the book of Exodus that God wants God's people to be priests. To not that they will not that they will have a priest, but that they will be priests. God wants God's people to be ministers. Not that you will have a minister, but that you will be a minister. In our churches today, it is a minister's job to bring out your inner ministry, your inner minister, because God has called you. And guess what? Just like David, none of us look like what we think we should. None of us do. And oftentimes, those that we believe look just right have their own struggles. Remember where it says God doesn't look at outward appearance, God looks at the heart? Well, later, aren't we told that David was very good looking? Well, guess what? That's going to get him in a lot of trouble too. None of us look like what we think we should, and yet every one of us is called into ministry. We are called to have a heart for God. We are called to love God, we are called to worship God, and we are called to use our will, our power, and our choices in the way that God asks us to. And so, my charge to you is to be listening, much like David did for where God is calling you, for having the courage to carry that out, of being a part of a faith community who could recognize your ministry and support you when you struggle, that we should also be people who, when we know we have sinned, who confess it and turn from that sin. May we all be ministers and not have ministers, and may we work for a day when the church is no longer needed because we are all followers of Jesus Christ. Amen.